Hi, uh, I'm Tim Moss. I'm the Chief Executive Officer and Comptroller General at the UK Intellectual Property Office uh, and talk to you on IP Fridays. Hello and welcome to this episode of IP Fridays. Our names are Ken Suzanne and Rolf Clayson, and this is the podcast dedicated to intellectual property. It does not matter where you are from, in-house or private practice, novice or expert. We will help you stay up to date with current topics in the fields of trademarks, patents, design and copyright, discover useful tools, and much more. Welcome to episode 109 of IP Fridays. Today's interview guest is Tim Moss, who is heading the UK Intellectual Property Office. Today is Brexit Day, and of course we will talk about Brexit. But before we jump into the interview, I want to tell you a little bit about other things that happened in the IP world. The EU and the UK have now both ratified the withdrawal agreement, the deal. That means that EU law will continue to operate as it does now in the UK until the end of the transitional period of 31st of December 2020. Therefore, EU trademarks and EU designs will continue to have effect in the UK until then. That's good news for all IP holders for EU rights, like EU trademarks and EU designs. Also, the EPO, the European Patent Office, and the UK IPO, they have both rendered decisions uh, for patent applications where artificial intelligence was named as the inventor. All these applications have been rejected. And in my take, it boils down to the fact that Uh, both um, offices decided that um, artificial intelligences cannot be um, holder of rights. So the right to the invention cannot be transferred to the applicant from these machines. And therefore, um, the uh, inventor named was invalid. The interview with Tim Moss was recorded, of course, before this day, before Brexit Day. So at the date of the interview, we both did not know that the withdrawal agreement was actually ratified by both sides. Just keep that in mind. Thank you very much and enjoy the interview. I'm very excited to be joined by Tim Moss today. If you don't know Tim Moss, uh, he is the Chief Executive Officer and the Comptroller General of the UK's Intellectual Property Office. And he has taken up this post uh, from 1st of May 2017. Before that, he was uh, at the company's house where he was the Registrar of the Companies for England and Wales and Chief Executive since 2012. And before that, his career included um, 12 years in senior operational roles in the manufacturing industry. He holds degrees from the Cambridge University, an MBA from Swansea University. And I'm very excited to have you on the show. Thank you very much for being here. Well, thank you very much for having me. And I'm delighted to be here. So can you... Briefly talk about um, uh, what what you are doing at the moment. Of course, people might have an idea, but maybe I didn't uh, go into that much detail. So maybe you can briefly describe what you're doing, what your current role is. Yes, well, uh, as 
Chief Executive of the UK IPO. Um, I'm responsible for all aspects of, of this wonderful organisation. We're um, about a £100 million turnover organisation with over 1,250 staff looking after all aspects of IP for the UK. Uh, we cover patents, trademarks, designs, copyright. We do the rights granting, but we also do all the work around policy, legislation, uh, as well as uh, uh, some work in, uh, looking at how we support businesses, raising awareness and education programs, and also coordinating a lot of protection and enforcement uh, aspects for the UK. All right. So um, the UK is in exciting times at the moment. Um, what do you feel is the IPO's role in the world of IP and specifically in the UK and internationally? And how do you see the organization evolving to be fit for the future? Well, I think, I mean, the first thing I, I would say, and one thing I've learned over the last couple of years being involved in the exciting world of IP is that sometimes we get too focused on thinking about IP. Uh, and actually, uh, what we need to remember is we're actually all about how do we help create the right environment for innovation and creativity. Uh, that's the purpose of IP. Um, and so very much the, the role of the UK IPO links to the government's uh, strategic agenda here, which is how do we make the UK one of the most innovative and creative countries in the world? Uh, and our role is to say, what does IP, yeah, how can IP contribute to that? Um, and uh, I think it's a really exciting agenda and uh, uh, for not only within the country, but also globally. And, uh, you know, um, the work that we do internationally really supports that and saying, how do we really just increase this whole environment around innovation and creativity? All right. Um, exciting, of course. But one thing is uh, is uh, on a lot of people's mind at the moment, uh, Brexit. Uh, probably you can't hear that word anymore. <laughs> But uh, I have to ask you, um, maybe first we talk about some general concepts uh, for what, what happens to EU trademarks and EU designs. How will the protection of these rights will be ensured in the UK after the Brexit? How does that work? Uh, well, you're absolutely right. Brexit is is one of the number one things. It is the number one thing on our agenda at the moment. Um, and I think the reason it's number one is because absolute priority is in, is ensuring that people's intellectual property rights are maintained throughout this transition. Um, the UK currently you know, has a, a, a great IP regime. Uh, that's part of the European system, and it will continue to have a, a great IP regime post Brexit. Um, but what is absolute of paramount priority for us is to ensure continuity of rights. So for EU trademarks and EU designs, uh, you know, they, they, they currently cover the UK, but after uh, the 31st of December 2020, they will no longer cover the UK. Uh, and so we must um, ensure continuity uh, around that. So the work that we've been doing here at the UK IPO has, has been to ensure that, that we then create new UK rights to mirror the European rights. Um, so that will be absolutely absolute certainty for all rights holders and continuity of rights throughout this whole transition. And that is our, our biggest priority. Mm. And um, at the moment, it's not really clear whether we have a, a Brexit with a deal or without a deal. So um, it could happen that uh, there would, that it's not likely, but possible that there would be a Brexit on 31st of January or the... the Basically, the Brexit might happen, but maybe there would be no deal. So what is the level of preparedness at the UK IPO for the introduction of the new rights um, created on the Brexit date? Yes, certainly. I mean, uh, we, we, we've been dealing with all the issues around no deal throughout the whole of 2019. 
Um, and you know, originally we had to prepare for a potential no deal on the 29th of March last year, the 12th of April, but also 31st of October. And on each of those occasions, we had set up both the legal requirements and the operational requirements to ensure continuity of rights. Um, so we were confident that uh, if we had to leave with no deal on those dates, uh, we would have ensured both legally and in, in practical terms that all rights would have been secured. Um, now, as things stand at the moment, uh, uh, the situation is, is looking as though the, the withdrawal agreement will be agreed both in the UK Parliament and in the EU Parliament. Uh, and so that will come into effect on the 31st of January. Uh, and this will mean that actually uh, all things will stay the same right the way through until the 31st of December 2020. So we are prepared and have been prepared for any sort of no-deal situation. But the real focus now is is on saying how do we plan for events that, that will happen on the 31st of December and we have more certainty around that. Um, and uh, you know, we are prepared to, to create what will in fact be I think nearly 2.1 or 2.2 million new rights uh, between trademarks and designs on that date. Um, there's some detail that uh, is yet to be worked out, which could be part of the, the future agreement that happens between the UK and the EU. But I certainly want all the, your listeners to, to be clear that there will be continuity of rights and there will be no loss of rights uh, um, uh, at that point on the 31st of December. Yeah, people will, are very relieved uh, by your very uncomplicated solution. I'm, I was very happy when I first uh, read about your proposed solution to the EU rights and um, many people are probably very happy that it is quite uncomplicated. Um, yeah, well, the principle we've tried to, to ensure is that we can, have, we can give maximum certainty for rights holders and minimum disruption. So we also right. want to be clear that we will create those new rights automatically on the 31st December and it will be at no cost to any rights holders. Um, so that process uh, will, will go yes. smoothly. And even to make it simpler, um, rather than create a new number for each new UK right, uh, what we've done is we, we will add a prefix to the existing European number. So essentially the, the number for the new right will, will have UK and I think it's 009 goes in front of the, the European number. So it's very easy for people to uh, uh, have the identifier for their their right when it becomes a UK right. Yeah, very, very nice. Um, I'm very grateful and many people are very grateful that you found such a very brilliant solution. <laughs> um, so how will the UK IPO be communicating the changes in the procedures as they relate to the public, uh, the Brexit uh, to the public? And is there a place that people can go if they have questions that are not easily answered from the website? Uh, yes, I mean, we, we did a lot of communication throughout last year, um, uh, trying to, to provide sufficient uh, detail, technical detail around what we're happening. And all that was available through the, the gov.uk website. Um, and there is general communications um, that look at the, uh, you know, what we're having for the full range of IP rights. Uh, the biggest changes do affect trademarks designs, but there are also some technical issues around copyright and also um, uh, one or two areas around, around patents. So uh, we've already done a lot of communication um, and now we'll be looking at what more we need to do building up to the 31st of December 
um, and coordinating that you know in a sort of cross-government way because uh, it's important to, to to understand you know that the customer or the the audience for this and there'll be an awful lot of messages that need to come out to them of which IP will be will be one of them um, but we will continue to ensure there are good communications and if uh, any of your listeners want to know that the the, the first place they should go to would be the gov.uk website um, and look at the issues around intellectual property. Yes, actually, I am there a lot of times, <laughs> and I actually subscribed also to your newsletter. You have an automatic email alert system in place, so people can uh, leave their email um, with the UK IPO, and then they will receive an email whenever there's an update. So that's really helpful. Thank you so much. Yeah, and we will continue to to increase the communications throughout the year, um, and you know um, whether it be through channels like this with podcasts, but also working with key partners, whether they be the uh, the, the so the intellectual property um, profession um, or business groups etc to ensure that the message gets out to as many people as possible um, to ensure that they, they get the core messages around the certainty of rights and the, the changes that will be happening. Then um, there is another question. Um, there is a withdrawal agreement bill. What is the withdrawal agreement bill and what does it mean for IP right holders? Um, I mean the, the withdrawal agreement um, essentially puts into law The, the agreement between the UK government and the EU, um, and uh, it, uh, it 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 covers a, a complete range uh, of things that uh, the government uh, it needs to cover. Um, and as far as IP is concerned, it it looks at the different rights and what happens through the point where we leave, because so, we actually are leaving the EU on the 31st of January, and then we enter an implementation period. And the withdrawal agreement sets out what happens during that implementation period, which essentially, from an IP perspective, is nothing changes um, and everything carries on uh, as it was throughout the implementation period up until the 31st of December 2020. Uh, it then looks at um, what will happen to existing rights as we go beyond there. Um, uh, and it, this is the, sets the, the legal framework for the sort of continuity of rights that we have. Yes, okay, I understand. So this is basically the counterpart to the EU tr uh, treaty or proposal, right, that needs to be implemented within the UK. I understand. Yes, so it sets the legal framework for the position as we leave right. and go into the implementation period. Uh, and then there is the, the, so the, uh, the, the, the some uh, uh, indications about the future relationship. But obviously that is the thing that is going to, is going to be negotiated over the next 11 months. Um, to define fully the relationship uh, from the 1st of January next year. Yes. Um, I am personally prosecuting a lot of EU trademarks and designs, and so I have some really practical questions. Um, so what happens to the pending cases that involve EU trademarks or designs or litigation cases based on EU rights or, EU rights or revocation actions against EU rights Uh, let's use a concrete example. Um, someone has opposed a, U, a EUTM, so a EU trademark, uh, just before Brexit Day, and the decision on this opposition will not become final before any of the transition periods, uh, for example, 31st of December. So what happens to the automatically generated UK right if the opposition is successful? 
And will the decision of the EU IPO be binding for the UK rights as well? So will that also be deleted if the EU TM is deleted? Or does the opponent has to attack the UK trademark separately? What, what happens to these kinds of cases? Um, I think the, the first thing, when, you, when a mark is being opposed um, or being, you know, it's treated as though it hasn't actually been fully registered or it's not registered yet. Um, and so in that scenario, um, there would be no UK right created because it would still, uh, and the provisions that are built into the agreement around pending applications would, would come into effect. Um, and th for pending applications, um, uh, people would need to, to file with the UK, but we would then separately with the UK, but we would respect the priority date that exists with uh, the EU application. And the UK IPO will respect any decision of the EU IPO created uh, at the, for, for any of those, uh, any rights going forward. Um, so if the right, uh, if it was, uh, the, the opposition was upheld um, or, or rejected, then we would uh, accept the decision of the EU IPO on that. So um, we talked about trademarks and designs, um, and but we didn't talk about patents. So what happens in the field of patents? Many say that nothing really changes. However, some small things change, right? So can you talk about that maybe? Yeah, I mean, I think for, for the vast majority of things you know, from patents, things don't change because, you know, uh, the, the UK is leaving the EU. It's not leaving the European Patent Convention. Um, and that still, we're still absolutely a, a, a core member of that, and will continue to be so going forward. Um, and uh, uh, it's hugely important to the UK and to businesses both in the UK and internationally that, that we're, we're we're part of that. Um, and certainly, any future deal with the EU and also with other countries needs to be consistent with the UK's membership of the European Patent Convention. Um, so that covers a, 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 you know, a huge amount of uh, things to do with patents. So on that basis, you know, many things do not change. There are some specifics, I think, around uh, supplementary protection certificates, SBCs, um, where there is separate EU legislation. And again, we've done provisions to ensure continuity of, uh, uh, around that. Um, and also uh, there has more recently been um, the, the EU, um, uh, I think, uh, regulation directive around manufacturing waiver. Uh, linked to SPCs, and again, that's something that's come into force before the UK has left the EU. So the the UK will uh, implement that as uh, as well going forward. So there are some bits, especially around SPCs, where uh, there is EU law that will be reflected in the UK, but the vast majority of things for um, uh, for patents won't change. Yes. Uh, so I have one last question. Um, The EU practitioners uh, like myself uh, that are representing EU designs and trademarks, uh, they will, they seem to be automatically entered as representatives for the respective UK rights. So will they be able to fully act on behalf of the clients uh, before the UK IPO, even in hearings? Or And do you recommend this? Or will there be changes uh, to this over the coming years? What do you expect? Uh, I mean, I think the, the, the position is clear um, as we leave the EU that um, we will respect the the the, you know, the, the sort of rights of representation um, uh, and we'll maintain those so that if that's the, if people are the representatives of the EU IPO, that will um, move across to, to the UK IPO for the new rights. Um, and that is part of the principle that I set out earlier of, of having you know maximum certainty and minimum disruption for business. 
Um, and there are some details of this within the withdrawal agreement about how that will be maintained for a period of time. Um, you know, obviously looking at longer term, um, you know, that is something that, that there may well be options for us to look at. Uh, and it's something that um, we will will carefully consider going forward. But uh, I think the, the first thing is in terms of the, the point of when we leave um, and that things change at the 31st of December, we will re- respect the rights of representation that currently exist. Um, you know, but uh, that could change going forward. But as I said the details are put in the withdrawal agreement and there are options as the, you know, the UK defines things um, for the future. Yes, uh, the, the UK um, proceeding the proceedings before the UK IPO would probably obviously be governed by UK uh, law, trademark and design law. So, and I'm not familiar with uh, this law, uh, or not. Yeah, I'm not really um, comfortable representing clients under this uh, legislation. So, probably myself, I would um, ask a UK attorney <laughs> to represent my clients there, but. I hear that uh, that it's possible, uh, in theory at least, uh, that um, representatives that are currently representing EU trademarks will be able to um, communicate with the UK RPO in these cases and might also um, be in hearings and these kinds of uh, proceedings. Uh, and you know, I think the the important thing is that yeah, I mean, the UK has a has a great IP profession and a great IP industry. Industry, uh, we work very closely with them uh, and with our you know, colleagues across Europe. And uh, again, I, I come back to we must remember this is about how do we create the best environment for business um, uh, and help yes. the, the region to be really innovative and creative uh, and um, you know ensure that works very smoothly. So. Um, as I said, the, the withdrawal agreement and the data has been put forward to ensure that there is that minimum disruption as we go through this big change. Obviously, there are options for the future, um, but what we're keen to do is work with um, the, the UK professions, but also our, our partners and stakeholders across the region to ensure that we can create the, the right environment for, for businesses, um, both in the UK, but also within the European region. Um, as I said, the UK has made a decision to leave the EU. Um, but uh, we're still part of the European region and will want and will have very, very strong partnerships um, uh, across all aspects of IP w- with our colleagues across the whole of the region. Um, and that's hugely important to us. And we want to ensure that the UK is a, a fantastic place for IP, but that also the European region is a fantastic place for IP as well. Uh, and importantly, I think in this area that you know, rights, uh, there is the right environment to protect um, and enforce rights um, both in the UK and uh, across the region. So we have talked quite a long time now about um, the UK and IP. Um, I'm very grateful that I had the chance to interview you, um, especially around this time of the year. And yeah, I'm very grateful. Thank you for being on the show on IP Fridays. Thank you very much indeed. It's been a pleasure. That's it for this episode. If you liked what you heard, please show us your love by visiting ipfridays.com love and tweet a link to this show. We would be so grateful if you would do that. It would help us out to get the word out. Also, please subscribe to our podcast at ipfridays.com or on iTunes or stitcher.com. If you have a question or want to be featured in one of the upcoming episodes, please send us your feedback at ipfridays.com feedback. Also, please leave us a review on iTunes. 
you can go to ipfridays.com slash iTunes and it will take you right to the correct page on iTunes. If you want to get mentioned on this podcast or even have comments within the next episode, please leave us your voicemail at ipfridays.com slash voicemail. You have been listening to an episode of IP Fridays. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of nor are they endorsed by their respective law firms. None of the content should be considered legal advice. The IP Fridays podcast should not be construed as legal advice or legal opinion on any specific facts or circumstances. The contents of this podcast are intended for general informational purposes only, and you are urged to consult your own lawyer on any specific legal questions. As always, consult a lawyer or patent or trademark attorney. Copyright 2014. All rights reserved.